Welcome to the 7 Days to Amazing podcast, where you learn how to make your life, business, and style even more amazing in the next week. Now your host, Sharon Haver of FocusOnStyle.com, helping you live the life that others only dream about so you can be the best at being you. Sheiksters, I am Sharon Haver, and you are about to be amazed. I have a fascinating guest on today's episode of Seven Days to Amazing. Gabriela Hernandez is a beauty historian as well as a cosmetics formulator and designer. She has devoted her life to what she calls the traditions of glamour, where you find your best look, and in turn, it is a mood booster inspiring you to be your best when you look your best. So Gabriella is also the author of Classic Beauty, The History of Makeup, and I am so excited to talk about this today. Classic Beauty is a gorgeous, heavily illustrated, and highly informative book that delves into how political and social climates have molded and accepted beauty rituals, as well as the evolution of cosmetics from ancient times through today. It chronicles historic trends for the eyes, lips, and face, and offers in-depth reviews of each decade from the 1920s to today. The book has 430 images, and believe me, I have like Googled every one of them, and the images show everything from timelines in beauty history, vintage color palettes, makeup innovation, like the first mascara, lipstick, eyeshadow, etc. And in it, you see some of the back-in-the-day makeup. It's like reconnecting with a long-lost friend of yours and remembering where you were in your life when you wore it. I particularly love the vintage makeup ads where you not only see the beauty trends of the times, but how the women were portrayed in society. Gabriella is also the founder of Besame Cosmetics. She has a long, long love affair with vintage beauty. At 12, Gabriella immigrated to the United States from Buenos Aires and always fascinated by her grandmother's sophisticated beauty routine. She fully realized her passion for the creative arts with a fine art degree from the Art Center in Pasadena, California, and became a photographer, art director, and published author. With her creative background, historical know-how, and cherished memories of her grandmother's makeup, Gabriella finally developed the beauty brand of her dreams filled with rich historical details and wearable, long-lasting formulas. She wanted Besame to bring romance back to the makeup industry, allowing women to feel excited and passionate about their own beauty rituals again. Gabriella is currently working on a large collection with Disney for Snow White's 80th anniversary. It sounds like fun. So welcome, Gabriella Hernandez. I am thrilled and excited to have you here today. Oh, thank you so much. I'm so happy to talk to you. Oh, thank you so much, too. It's just I can't wait to delve into classic beauty. I, You know, before we started the show, I was talking to you off off camera, what do you call it, off podcast, and saying how I am just like so mesmerized by this book because it really is like looking at it old friend. Besides the historical references, you know, I, I loved art history when I was in school because not only did you get to appreciate the art, you got to see society in a way that how they 
saw it at that, that time in history. And it's the same thing with makeup, at looking at different beauty rituals and, and things that we, we don't think about and we take for granted and seeing how they transcended through history. And also, I love looking at all these old makeup ads because it reminds me of where I was at that time in my life. You know, the first time I used Great Lash Mascara and as a stylist, also looking at, you know, some campaigns that I actually haven't seen any that I worked on in here, but some campaigns that were, you know, similar of the time when I, when I was working on them. So I find this just so, so, so fascinating. But what I want to talk to you first is what I find really, really interesting. And I think so many women will, will get a lot out of this. And it's like, what is glamour really? In the book, you say that glamour is the art and science of optimizing the gorgeousness that is part of your DNA. And I think that is such a brilliant statement, but to you, like, what is glamour through time to most women? Well, it, it's uh, it's it's an interesting concept because if you look at the at the book, you can see that the what was considered uh, glamorous or beautiful changes uh, mm-hmm. through uh, through time, and and when you look at these pictures, um, a lot of them you wouldn't consider those people necessarily attractive now, especially when you look at. Um, you know, women that uh, shaved their eyebrows and, and, and kind of made their their head, uh, uh, you know, their uh, hairline um, um, really receding so that they had very large foreheads. And this was considered attractive. So uh, you look at it now and you go, that's not that attractive. <laughs> I would never do that kind of thing. But, um, but at that time it was because um, the ideal of beauty kind of had to do with the persona of the woman and what the woman represented in society at the time. Uh, and, and at that particular time, women were supposed to be very naive and, uh, and the man was supposed to be the protector. And um, so they had a kind of a childlike look to what a woman, uh, a virtuous woman was supposed to look like. And that's why they kind of uh, made the face so round and, and big and, um, uh, and they got rid of most of the, the hair uh, on the face and and, uh, and had very small lips and um, you know so so it kind of resembled a, a younger child um, but this had to do with how they saw women in that society and then you know it changes over time because you see that women uh, are portrayed as different things you still see uh, a lot of the influence of society on how women looked because what was acceptable is what kind of what women did. And sometimes even though they didn't want to do these things, they had to because um, it was morally, you know, uh, the acceptable thing to do. And if they wanted to get married and, and find a partner, they had to do these things. So they had to wear their hair in a certain way. Um, they had to, uh, you know, cinch their waist a certain way um, to to look attractive to the opposite sex. So, uh, you know, really finding a partner had a lot to do with what women did and how they looked for a long period of time. Uh, we didn't actually necessarily do it for ourselves um, until, you know, probably the 90s or 2000s where we started to actually think of beauty as, um, in the 60s, some of that came about as well because women were starting to go into the workforce. So we started to do things that uh, that were convenient for us, and we found, uh, uh, you know, uh, kind of liberating uh, and easier on us. Uh, but before that, all of the beauty things that we did were really because of how we wanted to look to other people. 
Um, so that was kind of fascinating if you look through the book, how, how that's changed through time. It, it, it is. It's, it's beyond fascinating. And the other thing that I find so interesting, too, is, is the time when women finally were in power. And I guess you say more of the 80s when, you know, their war paint was a sign of power and control. And, and I know, as, you know, as, as being part of the 80s, it's just I like I wouldn't go out at night without my black liner and my certain shade of lipstick. You know, that was that, that big black eye, that punk look. And I had a really weird dichotomous background then because I started out in having a very straight job in PR and then I became a stylist. So that was actually more about me. But then also at the time I used to um I had a boyfriend who owns a bunch of clubs and I was kind of on like a cool New York club scene so like during the day my makeup would be very like glossy and pretty colored and soft you know and at night it was definitely yeah. very black and smoky and it, it kind of you know more than my clothes I think how I how I put my own glamour together especially at that point in my life was really in direct correlation to where I was in my life and how I wanted to be perceived, you know, more powerful during the day and more cool and edgy at night. I found it fascinating. So can you tell us a little bit more about, you know, the signs of power and control and makeup? And I, you talked about it a lot, I think, in the, in the 80s in your book. We talked about it all through the book, actually, but it's just a little bit on, like, how makeup represents your, your power. Well, it, it's it's interesting because we use makeup kind of to feel as part of a tribe, and, and this mm-hmm. has been done for a long period of time where you, you want to belong to a certain group. Uh, so either you're, like you said, with the um, uh, people that worked and were considered serious, or you were one of the party people at mm-hmm. night. So uh, So your makeup kind of reflected that you were in that group or the other group. So uh, the makeup kind of is used to be part of some kind of group. Uh, and it's still done that way today because you could see that to the people who um, use like uh, Kylie makeup, let's say, because they want to be part of that group. They want to be associated with that whole lifestyle. So yeah, with the Kardashians. Still, you, yeah. yeah, you still use makeup to be associated with a lifestyle or a group of people or a certain type of person. So the makeup kind of defines what people perceive uh, as, as you belonging to a certain tribe, basically. Uh, so you're either an intellectual or you're a corporate person or you're a party person or you're a fashionista. So all these, uh, the makeup choices that you do kind of put you in different, um, you know, kind of different buckets of what people perceive you as. So um, uh, it's up to you, though, to use that to put yourself in the in the positions that you want to be because you can choose the makeup that you want to wear and that makeup will put you in uh, different uh, perceptions for for other people to perceive you in different ways so you really have the power to put yourself into whatever position you want in how you style and groom yourself uh, has a lot to do with that yeah, I, even though you, uh, yeah, you might not be that person, you will look like that person. In that first uh, impression, you will be perceived as that person, whether absolutely. you can carry it through or not. You know, that's that's up to you after that. <laughs> you know, uh, after that, you gotta you gotta either uh, do it or fake it. But uh, but uh, but if you if you you know your first impression is going to put you in that category, absolutely. and that's what you want because you basically it gives you a leg up basically, you know, because if you want to look like the president of the company, for example, you, you, 
style yourself a certain way that you are perceived as a person of power, and then at that point you act that way. And it's actually easier to act that way when you look that way because uh, you convince yourself actually first before you convince other people. Yeah, I find that so fascinating, just so fascinating. And I know it's so true. But looking at it also from a, a business perspective, I know a lot of times with people, women particularly who have online businesses, a lot of the times, you know, they, they didn't grow up in a fashion beauty way or or. So they're, they're looking at the Internet influences that they see. And you see people who, when they have what they're calling their personal branding photo shoots, they may look a certain way, but then they want to look like someone they perceive as the leader. So all of a sudden you see these women. And, and you know, when, when you're not comfortable in your skin, it shows. It shows to the camera. It shows yes. your first impression. It's oh, yes. So you see these women, and they obviously must have pulled somebody's photo who they think is, you know, they perceive as making a lot of money. So they'll have, like, the, the long diva hair extensions to the middle of their waist, and they'll be wearing the, like, Carl goopy lipstick and tons of foundation with lots of powder that's very makeup-y. And they, they kind of look, you know, Orange County Barbie doll-esque because they feel that that's the, that creates the look or they're trying to look French and they put their hair in like some overdone French chignon and they, you know, eat a macaroon with very pink nails and they put a picture of the Eiffel Tower that they probably got a TJ Maxx behind them thinking that was very <laughs> French. But in reality that, you know, French women barely wear any makeup and spend their time in skincare. You know? They just wear the right amount yes. of makeup. So it's interesting yes. to me when you see people trying to, especially online, developing their business presence and sort of stealing someone else's look that's not congruent or natural or authentic to them, thinking they're perceived that way. And it, it just it sort of smells. It stinks of, you know, looking creepy and fake. So how do you get say to someone who really isn't attuned to makeup? You know, how do you like sort of like steal the look but make it yours and not make it dated and not associate it with so many, I don't know, commercial, mediocre kind of looks? Well, I, I think you have to step away from looking like somebody else and look at your face and look at yourself and see what are my best assets, you know, um, are, you know, do I have pretty eyes? Do I have a pretty lips? And um, how do I enhance those? And then stick to a neutral palette that is not going to uh, change that much through time. So if you stick mm -hmm. to neutral, like brown shadows and, and a neutral, uh, you know, a nice pink cheek and, uh, you know, rosy lips, you know, those things aren't going to change because that's considered very much of a naturally pretty uh, a person. So if you go with the, you know, the green shadow or the um, mm -hmm. smoky eye or the, uh, you know, winged eyeliners or all these things, they're um, they're more of a stylistic choice that has to do with definitely a period of time or a, or a type of makeup. So those types of things I would steer away from so that. Um, so that the look is not really uh, relegated by people looking at your shadow. You know, you don't want people looking at your shadow. You want people looking at your face. Um, so uh, the main thing is, I think, grooming. You know, grooming like having your hair nicely styled because that's a huge part of it. You know, yeah. your eyebrows nicely tweezed and 
you know, so you're starting out with a good canvas at that point. And then the makeup is really the less is more, I say, mostly when people are not comfortable with wearing makeup all the time. It's like, you know, put a, you know, light foundation on, put a, a bit of shadow just to, to, to see the crease because obviously when you take photos, you want to, you want to see the shadows. That's what uh, creates depth in the picture. Uh, not necessarily colored, but, you know, the shading of it. Mm-hmm. So if you use the shadow to kind of do your crease a little bit, um, that creates depth in your eye without having to add color to it. It just looks like a shadow, really, um, like a natural shadow. And then a nice eyebrows, you know, uh, a bit of blush and some uh, nice color of lip that isn't too saturated because the camera definitely picks up saturation and a lot of times film will will make things look more saturated than they are, so brighter than mm-hmm. they are, uh, especially bright colors uh, like reds or pinks and things like that. So you want to do a more muted, a little bit more muted color so that it looks more natural and it doesn't attract so much attention when you look at it. Um, and and people see your whole face instead of just your lips or just your eyes. Um, but I, I would say that um, you need to really look look at what you look like and what makes you look pretty, not necessarily trying to emulate other people, especially if you're trying to do a kind of a corporate look for yourself. Um, because if you look at other things, you're, you're going to end up looking dated at one point or another yeah. because all those other people are all doing trends, and the trends come and go. So if you're copying somebody else that is really on trend now, let's say, in six months that trend is going to be over, uh, and and your your picture is going to look dated just as well as their picture is going to look dated. Um, so in, in order to avoid that, I always think of like the queen, you know, the, uh, it's, it's kind of funny, but if you look at the queen, they never change. She never changes her hairstyle <laughs> right. or her makeup. And, and, and they do this on purpose so that when you look at pictures of her, you can't really tell when they were taken. You know, it's kind of an ageless kind of thing, you know, <laughs> because you can, you can look at a picture from 10 years ago or 20 years ago, and she still has the same hair and the same makeup, so you really don't know, you so know, she how old she dated. is. <laughs> yeah, she, she always looks dated. Yeah, she always, but she always looks the same, though, you know what I mean? I know. Um, so, so it's, it's like, like that. <laughs> Yeah, it's like like uh, like uh, you know, like tricking the camera kind of thing. <laughs> <laughs> and that's what I find is another thing with so many women of a certain age. Like they'll find a, a photo of themselves and they'll use it for social media, and it'll be like, oh yeah, I look great in like nineteen, I don't know, seventy eight or nineteen ninety eight <laughs> or whatever it was. But you look at them and you're like, you're not fooling anybody. Look at that color lipstick you have on. Look at how you plucked your eyebrows. Like you look so dated. And, and you know, that's one of the things. That that I just love about, you know, just being, looking like you, but better than you and exactly what you said. Because as I'm going through the book right now, I'm looking at pictures from the 90s and it wasn't that long ago, but it looks beautiful and natural. Even this one early when when, um, Lauren Hutton came back and was it 1991? Actually, one of my friends was the art, my art director was the art director who brought her back on that Avon campaign. So I said, I worked with her really early back then. And that was pretty fascinating. So what was she, 50 when she came back to being a model again? And, but it still looks beautiful and natural. And then you look at some other pictures from, you know, not that far back and it's like, 
whoa, you know, it's, you know, I, growing up in Brooklyn, yes. we used to say that they looked like they were side swiped by the makeup van. Well, that's a good point. Yeah, it's a good point that, you know, she looks that way and she still looks yeah. pretty because you can't really look at her and say, okay, she's wearing this type of makeup or this type of exactly. eyeshadow or this type of, it's like, it just looks like her but very nicely groomed and, you know, nicely uh, uh, put together. But you can't really pinpoint what she's doing with makeup as far as shape and things because she's always done her makeup just to suit her own face, you know, not necessarily following a certain trend of makeup, but just to suit her face. Um, so that's why she she just looks great, and she still looks current if you look at the picture now. Absolutely, where yeah. If you if you look at a picture from like um, the twenties or the thirties, you can tell that those pictures were because of the fact that people used to really overtweeze the brows, and the brows were really thin and really curved. So when you see that, you know that you're looking probably at a photo from the late 20s because this is what everybody did. This was kind of the style of the period. But if you do that now, people are going to think, okay, you're doing a period look for the 20s if you do this because it kind of defines that look. Uh, So when you do anything in your makeup that's so defining that you can pinpoint it to an era, then that picture definitely will look dated to other people uh, because of the fact that you picked up on like a certain style that's so recognizable like the shape of the lip is another one if you do a cubist mouth oh, you yeah. know or uh, or you do a, a Joan Crawford overdrawn lip um, you know people will pick up on that and say that kind of looks 40s uh, you know uh, because of, of the way that you style the lip so uh, or if you're doing an 80s thing and you have like these swashes of blush across the cheeks and that, you know, um, that you, people pick up on that really quickly because it's kind of a signature of that period. So if you see those really like uh, very prominent cheek um, colors that were around in the 80s, um, you, you right away think, oh, this has to be 80s. Or you see that magenta lip color, it all of a sudden you go, oh, this, this looks like an 80s um, photo. So I think if you try to avoid these uh, very common uh, uh, looks or kind of style, trend-driven looks, I think your photo will last longer and will look more professional if you avoid these kinds of things in, in the photos. Hey, excuse me. Let me jump in for a second. We're sharing a lot of amazing things today, but you know, there's more. If you have a friend that you think will also enjoy this episode, don't forget to share it now. Do you like to listen on the go? Simply download this episode in iTunes. While you're there, subscribe and write a review so we can continue to bring you the most amazing content possible to help you be the best at being you in your life, business, and style. For more amazing episodes, go to our podcast library at www.7daystoamazing.com where you will find episode transcripts and additional resources. Thanks for letting me jump in. Back to the episode. And what people don't realize, too, is when they're looking at makeup ads, they're selling makeup. You know? <laughs> like yes. You know, you're selling the makeup so 
obviously you want it to be more obvious. If you were selling skincare, you would be selling, you know, a very beautiful, luminous complexion, but you're selling makeup. So another thing I want to ask is I know a lot, makeup trends can be very regional and in certain regions around the country, particularly people seem to get stuck in makeup trends, you know, and I'm looking at this thing and it reminds me as I'm flipping through classic beauty and I, I, can't tell people enough on how just it's just so fascinating i mean there are just so many photos in here and so many memories this book is amazing so anyway if you're looking at this one on page 160 um it's and i I kind of remember this ad i don't remember from where or from why but i remember it was for fabergé and it's sue diamond fabergé newcomer and she is a, a professional race car driver but more important she looks like her makeup is like classic 70s, 80s newscaster, you know, big bouncy hair. She's got the wingtipped eyes, the coral lips, the coral blush on it, and it's their um, selling compact, compact cheek color blush from 1975. But her look, which to me reeks of, you know, 1975, pushing it to like 1980, you go across mm-hmm. America and there are still women with that big bouncy hot rollered hair and the winged eyes and the coral lips and you could tell they've been stuck in it for so long but it's not just them it seems to be like the stefford wives if everyone around them is still stuck in that in that very i don't know what you want to call it feminine portrayal of women with you know just the eyes the right wear and the bouncy hair so how is it that that certain areas just sort of get stuck in trends just like we said earlier like in orange county in california they love big big makeupy makeup and big eyelashes and long fingernails and it works for them and that's fine but if you're from another part of the country or the world and you're looking into it you see how it's so specific and can get dated Yes, I, I I know what you're uh, talking. About. I was at a trade show uh, in in the in the southern states, and I saw exactly what yes. you were talking Fascinating. about. Uh, people seem to be stuck in this period with the uh, you know the, the kind of the frosty uh, blue or, or or green shadows and and uh, the, the huge mascara kind of uh, like Tammy Faye type oh, yeah. mascara uh, and and uh, big hair and uh, the pink uh, lips. In the, the blood, yeah. I mean, I think uh, I think they're just there. Are some parts of the country that are really not exposed to fashion as much as we think, because see, we're in the coast, and uh, uh, you know, if you're in New York or in, yeah. in LA or in in Chicago or any of the major cities, you're exposed to a lot of different people. We we have so many different people from all over the world uh, here. So trends are really, you can see uh, kind of uh, trends like across uh, not only the U.S., but across the world uh, in these in these cities. But in smaller cities in the middle of the country, um, you don't have that kind of thing. You don't, you don't have that kind of diversity in the population. Uh, you don't even have that many people that are not from there. Or uh, mm-hmm. when I went there, people didn't know where I was from. Uh, and they actually they actually thought I was French, and I wasn't. And they thought I was even speaking in French when I I wasn't. Uh, I, I was I was speaking in Spanish, 
uh, with with somebody that actually worked at the convention center that I had uh, an exhibit in, and uh, and but everybody around there uh, did not think I was Spanish. They thought I was French, so they thought I was speaking in French, uh, which is the oddest thing because they, <laughs> they they had that in in their mind actually, not something that I did. But it has to do with the, their perception of what I look like. You know, uh, so I did not look like a Spanish person from the Spanish people that they have seen around exactly. there. Exactly. Yeah. So I, so I must be from, I must be from some, somewhere else. Uh, so that they, right away they thought I was European. But, um, but it's interesting there. They just, they are just not exposed. Uh, they're not to exposed. A lot but, of what's, but what's, but what's so fascinating? They're not exposed. Too. Yeah, they're not exposed yet if there are people who have – the Internet has made it. I say that every time you see your photo online, it's like your magazine cover shot. And we said this earlier. You know, you make a first impression. Every study is different. It's with under seven seconds, under five seconds, two seconds, whatever. You right, make a right. first impression. So if you're online and that's your business and you're on social media, when your picture goes down the stream – you have now become an international superstar because people are looking at That's you right. and they're looking at somebody who's more global, somebody who's more national, somebody who's somebody who maybe is a celebrity. And then you're sitting there. So you might be stuck in your specific town. When you go online, you need to sort of address yourself in a way that that's global, timeless. Classic, right? I, I, yeah, I think without giving yourself up in the know. process, but you still need to, you know, yeah. step it up. Yeah, yeah. No, I, I think they just don't know what they don't know mm-hmm. over there because they, 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 they think that what they're doing is actually correct, and that is that is the height of fashion for them because they haven't actually explored other things. They're kind of very, um, kind of secluded in these in these areas. Um, so they, they, they don't, they don't see anything different. They think that this is the acceptable norm and this is what they do over and over again. Exactly. Uh, uh, that's why you see all the bling over there. Uh, uh, everybody's got like rhinestones everywhere. Uh, (laughs) and it's obviously they, they like this, but no, nobody else in other parts of the world necessarily does this, but they seem to think that this is high fashion in in their area so um i think it's a matter of exposure and and uh um you know and actually knowing because i i think it's just like you know when you see american idol and people uh remember that uh. used to go in there and sing and and they thought well everybody in my town thinks i'm the best singer there and then and then the judges say i'm sorry but you you you, you can't sing uh but, 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 but you know they're they're convinced though <laughs> But it's the same thing I use in one of my um, training webinars. I use Susan Boyle from uh, Britain's, what was it, Britain's Got Talent? Yeah. Remember, she came out yes. the first time and she was yes. like, had the yes. old, she had the queen's hairdo and no makeup and caterpillar eyebrows and sweaty armpits with hair coming out of it. And she was pretty disgusting and everyone rolled their eyes. And then she opened up her mouth and it was like, wow. And then the next time she came back, they cleaned her up. <laughs> right. <and> right. <laughs> yes. Yes. Very much so. They cleaned her up. Oh yes. Oh yes. Uh, but, but it's a. But it's a, It's a, It's you know. It's really what you were saying. These people, uh, unfortunately, in certain parts of the country, they just don't 
know, and they don't look around that much to um, to see that the other people aren't doing this look, and they still think that this look is attractive. And maybe in their part of the country, it is, and it is around like their friends and around the the uh, men that are in that area. They all think that this is attractive, mm-hmm. so they will continue to do it because this is the feedback that they uh, they're getting. You know what I mean? Uh, they they're not yeah. getting any other feedback. Other other people around them are not saying, hey, you look dated, or the, the guys aren't saying, I don't like the way you look, you know. Uh, if they did, I'm sure they would be changing it. But at this point, this is what they think is attractive, you know. Yeah, and, and, uh, it's like and, when you go, you know, to tribes in, you know, the middle of Africa and uh-huh. tribes in uh, South America, and uh, they have different uh, ways of doing uh, uh, their own fashions and their thing, and they think that this is attractive. Obviously, other people might not, but in their own segments and between themselves, this is attractive. Well, that's that's what you started out saying. So that's what they do. Yeah, you started out by saying beauty is tribal. So if beauty is tribal, it's not necessarily the tribe in Africa. It's the tribe you hang out with in your town, in your community, in your business, in your network. Exactly, exactly. Tribe is whatever, whoever you associate with that is around you, uh, really. So it could be any, even your office uh, where you work is, is a sort of a tribe because people dress in a certain way that everybody thinks is acceptable in that particular location. Um, so uh, you have people that belong and people that are outsiders and people that, you know, uh, but there is certainly there's a common kind of uh, look to an office, uh, and when you step into any office, you can see it, you know? Yeah, it's it's just, it's really just fascinating. Um, so we're coming towards the end, but I want to, there's two different things I want to go over with you and make sure everyone does it. The first one is, I know it's probably like picking a, a favorite baby, but <laughs> as, as we're going through your book, and I mean, I, I know personally, I couldn't answer this question, but you even start with like timelines in 25,000 BC and in here, besides having, um, timelines, there's also photos of, of makeup trends, makeup ads, makeup products. What would be your favorite baby? What would be your favorite either product or time or something in here out of all of these? Well, I think I, I, I'm I'm very fond of the 30s um, because of the fact that it's when kind of makeup started kind of uh, getting into its own, you know, becoming uh, a thing that people did on a regular basis. Uh, before the 30s, it was really kind of relegated to people who wanted to make a statement or your artsy people that would wear it for shock value or uh, your party people that would wear it just for that because they wanted to be different and make, make some kind of a statement. So before that, it was used for those purposes. So not everybody used it. But in the 30s, it, it actually became a more of a, you know, a, uh, a whole thing where women would use this product on a daily basis, and most women would use a lipstick on a daily basis. So makeup really kind of became a necessity at that point for women. So everybody wore it, or mostly everybody wore something. 
not a full face of makeup like we are today, but something like they either wore a lipstick or they had a, you know, a, a pencil to do their brows, to draw in their brows or fill them in, or they used uh, a bit of like cake mascara uh, or, or a bit of uh, a rouge, but something, they, they used some kind of product. So, so product selection and product uh, manufacturing kind of bloomed from this because we had so many women using it, and it was so common, and it got cheaper for women to purchase. So this is where makeup became more of a mass thing. And, uh, and it's fascinating because it just provided so many jobs to people in the industry of actually making makeup because companies just blossomed everywhere. There were manufacturing facilities all over New Jersey that made all kinds of makeup, and um and and powders and things before this we only would get things from Europe because they're the only ones who would make uh, makeup products you know they all came from Italy and France and Spain um and we didn't really make uh, anything here um but after you know the 30s we started to make all kinds of stuff here and we had all the huge American-made uh, uh, cosmetic industry that blossomed out of it. So it was kind of the heyday, I think, of makeup. Then, obviously, we went up from there. But this is where kind of it all started. So I kind of love that period because of, it was such a huge period of innovation and, and development and kind of women really getting comfortable wearing makeup because they saw it in film and they saw it in their favorite actresses and they were wearing it. And we had color pictures because this is when Technicolor kind of became a thing in the late 30s, in mm. 1937 and 38, when, when we had the first Technicolor films come out and um, people saw the actresses in color. And this was a huge thing to sell color. You can imagine how it, well it worked for people to go to a movie and see this like very sensual and uh, alluring actress wearing this product that they would want to purchase it. Uh, you know, after that, it was just such an easy thing. Uh, that's how how Max Factor sold so much makeup because it was just <laughs> a slam dunk, slam dunk in the marketing arena because you know he had these actresses and he could use them on his ads because they were under contract for the studio and he oh, worked for the studio. Yeah, uh, so you could so, have so and Garbo yeah. and. Harlow. Yeah, without paying without paying them a dime. <laughs> That's uh, a good he, deal. Yeah, he, he didn't have to pay them. Yeah, <laughs> not he didn't for the actresses. Yeah, yeah, no, not at all because they were already under contract. So this this really kind of became like a huge, huge thing, and 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 grooming and fashion and how to wear your makeup became. Uh, something that women paid attention to and all kinds of uh, magazines wrote about it and told you how to do different things. So it kind of sparked the whole movement in, in makeup. And that's why I think the 30s is such an exciting time. And that's yeah. why it's kind of my favorite. It's actually my favorite in fashion too, because it also is the start yeah. of fashion, how we think of it today, that bias cut charmeuse dresses then, yes. that with, you know, those yes. slip dresses, yes. they were so different and revolutionary to so the shapes and silhouettes that started in the thirties, as well as the fabrics and the, you know, the lack of heavy undergarments really just went into how we see fashion today. And as women started wearing pants, so it was amazing. It was just really in a beautiful time. And I was always a fan of Jean Harlow and even though everyone else was in color, she was in white. So her absence of color was was more striking in that world. And, and white is a color. And, and I just always thought she had such a 
strong visual image and just in those white slinky dresses or even, you know, Dietrich in her glamour at the time or Garbo. I went to Greta Garbo on a bus in New York. That was like awesome. Let me tell you, when she was old, that was like really awesome. No, I mean, mean, she's, they're great. But see, the thing is, you look at those dresses today and you can see them in the red carpet. Absolutely. They're they're that timeless, you know. I used to collect them. You can't really say that. Yeah, no, you can't I, say that about dresses from other eras as much. But if you take 1930s dresses, you can see them on the red carpet tomorrow, mm-hmm. and they would look exactly in place. I know? used to collect um, dresses like that from um, flea markets and thrift shops. And when I was really skinny, I would still wear them, and people wouldn't had no idea how old they were because they were just beautiful. You just had to make sure the, the fabric didn't fall apart. But the silhouettes were just right. gorgeous. Because they didn't have any seams, they didn't have any heavy construction. They were just always just beautifully draped. And as, as long as you had the body underneath to make it work, they were fantastic. And the tops, too, the blouses were amazing. Those silk sheer yes. kind of crepey tops. Hey, excuse me, let me jump in for a second. We're sharing a lot of amazing things today, but you know, there's more. Hop on over to FocusOnStyle.com and be sure to subscribe to become a Focus On Style Insider so that you can start to live the life that others only dream about. Not only will you get instant access to the Star Power Flash Kit curated to help you and your business get out there, but as an insider, you'll also receive exclusive bonuses, amazing content, and access to special events that Sharon only shares by email. So, subscribe now at www.focusonstyle.com slash insiders. It's your time to be the best at being you. Thanks for letting me jump in. Back to the episode. Let me, let's end this with something which I think is really important, important for everyone here. I like to ask my guests, what would be the top few things that you think someone can make just do in their life to be more amazing in the next week? So, if someone wanted to really... Find, I don't know, come to terms with her beauty, accentuate it, highlight it, whatever it is. What three things in beauty can you do to just be more amazing? I think, um, I think if you if you uh, spend a little time on your just grooming in general, because women used to spend a lot of time doing their grooming every evening, and I think we lost that a lot mm-hmm. of that. And so so now you don't put oil on your cuticles and you don't, like, buff your nails and, and uh, brush your hair through and, uh, and put maybe your moisturizer or put a mask on and, and, and wait 20 minutes with your mask on and then take it off and wash your face. Um, all these little things that women used to do this on a, every night, really, is what, uh, like, iron your your suit or iron right. your dress that you're going to wear tomorrow. Uh, women did this, every, you know, every every day. Uh, we don't do that anymore. And it, it kind of makes you feel put together. Like, in, in the Army, I, I read a, a, a quote a long time ago that the first thing you do is, like, make the bed, make your right. bed. Because then, then it's like you accomplish something already. It's starting your day. If your bed is clean and made, you know, uh, and it's the same thing I think with yourself. I mean, if you have um, pressed your clothes the night before, if you uh, did your hair and it, it, you kind of like curl it the night before, so when you get up, you just brush it through and and it looks nice. I think you will feel like you accomplished something the minute you got up already. 
uh, instead of feeling that you're behind, like we always do, because we're always like behind, we're late, or, you know, we're supposed to be somewhere else and we're not ready. But um, I think if you feel like that kind of sense of accomplishment uh, in the in the morning, I think you're starting off on the right foot. I think you you have a better day. So I think those things are really important. Um, and then as far as your makeup routine, I think simplify as much as you can. I think we kind of use way too many products these days um, that, you know, obviously they, they market them because women buy them and it's a good business for the makeup company. But but really they're not as necessary as you would think. You know, you don't need that many primers unless you're doing a photo shoot, you know, or you're going to a wedding and you want your makeup to last, you know, 24 hours. Um, there's a lot of products that, you know, are kind of overkill uh, to use on a daily basis. So I, I would say simplify the routine so you're not, you know, you can do it in five minutes without, you know, uh, thinking that you cut something out. And, you would, you know, people in the past, I mean, if you look in the 30s, 40s, 50s, they didn't necessarily wear as much uh, product, but they, they still uh, managed to look really nice because of the fact that they did very nice grooming and their hair was nicely done. Mm-hmm. Their eyebrows were, were nicely uh, brushed through and, and uh, plucked and, you know, groomed. Um, so they, they, their, their face looked clear. So all of these things are already kind of a step forward. So you don't need that much makeup when you have all this Absolutely. already done. Uh, you know, and a good lipstick, you know, carries you a long way. Yeah, you know, and you like a, and, good, and, like a and, little color. And your Besame line has some really beautiful lipsticks, and it's also very specific. It's not one million crazy colors. It's a very edited collection, which I think is fantastic. Yes, yeah, we we edited because we wanted, um, you know, in the past they had so many different reds because women only wore red really for a very long time as far as the lipstick goes. But they were all kind of tailored to the um, the type of woman. Like if you were a brunette or you had salt and pepper hair or you were, um, you know, uh, you had uh, different types of uh, hair color or eye color. Um, so. So the colors, the colors of red that were worn depended on all of these things. And it, it kind of works because it kind of goes with the complexion. It, it brightens up the face if it's a certain color for uh, people that have salt and pepper hair. So those colors that have a little bit more magenta in them kind of brighten those complexions and they work with the salt and pepper in the hair. Um, the same thing with brunettes. You have a little bit of a warmer tones with brunettes depending on of their brunettes with warmer tones or brunettes with cold, colder tones on, in the hair. So we have so many of them because we made all of the ones that we thought were kind of important and fit a certain type of woman. Um, so you can find the one that actually fits correctly. Uh, and also uh, a lot of the times uh, people doing period film and uh, period t- television, uh, they come and they look for these shades because they know they're exact duplicates of huh. different uh, years. So they use them for a lot of different we, – we've been on so many different period movies uh, and period um, television uh, because they come for the colors and also for props and other things that they can use on the set. Um, since our products kind of resemble what was done in those periods. Yeah, the they, packaging is amazing. Yeah. 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 So, so they use it. Yeah. So, so it's used as props a lot of the times on different movies, and the colors are used for different types. So World War II type movies or, um, you know, turn of the century movies, all kinds of things. 
Um, but you know, if you find the right the right color, um, a color that kind of lifts up the the, the face a little bit, um, it, it's it's very um, it's very transformative because you don't need that much more makeup. You know, if you have a nice uh, uh, lip color, uh, some mascara, and I'm I'm going to go probably towards your uh, French woman uh, uh, that because that's kind of what they do over there. Um, the French kind of have that figured out, uh, I think, better than we do. Um, and because they're more minimalist. And grooming, yeah. Yeah, uh, grooming and also more minimalist on the makeup, you know. Uh, French women you don't really go with, like, crazy shadow colors that much and, you know, too much blush and that kind of thing. They're, they're, they're more like, a, a, yeah, yeah, they're, they're more of a mascara and lipstick type of people over mm-hmm. there, you know. Maybe some eye pencil, um, but that's about it. You know, they're not like, you know, they're not, you're not going to see French people necessarily doing a primer for the eyelid, a primer for the lip, and uh, all of this kind of like a setting spray for the makeup and all. They're not going to do all of this. I, I, I don't see any French woman doing all of this stuff, actually. Um, so I, yeah, I don't I think know. they think it's necessary. You know? They don't. And they take such great care yeah. in their skin as well. I know when I do videos, yes. I mean, I do do the primer, and sometimes I will wear false eyelashes and do the setting spray because I'm on video. And I know that on video, right. when I do that, right. I look completely natural. But I was doing something last week, and actually those shots, I, I, I was like, wow, you look good, Sharon. I had the extra contour on. But I had to go out to a, sure. a cocktail party afterwards. And I'll tell you, I felt like a drag queen all night. I felt horrible because in <laughs> real life, in real life, that makeup that looks so great on even simple video, not even real film, just it's just too much. And like you feel your makeup yes. on your face, but it's necessary to look natural on camera. Yes. Oh, yeah, no, for camera and special occasion, this is what all yeah. these makeup products were really designed for. They're, they're designed for that. They do a really good job when you need that kind of coverage or theater or anything like that where you kind of need that boldness mm-hmm. uh, because you're going to be seen, uh, you know, from afar. So you're far away from people seeing you or you're on the film where the film kind of takes away a lot of the color sometimes. So you need extra color so that it shows up. And, on, and on film, also, on video, what you know. said before with eyeshadow to define the shadows in your face and the crease of your eye and your cheek, you know, and yes. a little bit. I think that's just so important yes. on camera where in real life, you don't, you know, you don't only Kardashians wear that much contour, but you know, that stuff films well. So it's also important for yes. real women when, when you're yes. doing, you know, social media photos or live streams or anything else to know that your makeup needs to be on point for the camera. Well, yeah, you have to remember when you light, you know, they light for video or you light for uh, doing uh, anything on on the Internet and where you have just one light kind of uh, floodlight kind of on your face, Mm -hmm. that it's going to erase, it erases all of your shadows, you know, that you have naturally on your face. So you have to put them back with makeup in order to look natural under those circumstances because the lighting will kind of take away all those shadows and will make your face look really flat. So if you don't add dimension by putting in these uh, kind of uh, shadows on the side of your face, on, on your eyes and uh, contouring with, with the shadow, um, your face looks very flat on, on, on video. So you need that. But in, when you see somebody in person like that, they definitely look like some kind of, 
you know, Cirque du Soleil performer, you know. <laughs> and I and I I had girls that were 20 years old in my class at uh, at the Fashion Institute when I uh, uh, taught there, and they came to class at noon with this on. Oh, like and, like and it was like. Can we talk about yeah. beauty bloggers? You see what some of these beauty oh, bloggers put goodness. on, and it's like, goodness, goodness. 20. I it looks like they win. Yeah. It's so odd. It's so odd because it looks like uh, definitely a man. It looks like a like a oh. man in drag because uh, it's so defined that you kind of just look at the makeup and you lose the face, basically. Exactly. On or the people with a, with a highlighting, you know, the uh. highlighting. Uh, it, it looks like an alien when uh, you actually see it in person because you you have these like green highlights on your nose and on your cheeks and you're going, what is going on with that? And, and, uh, and the I same mean, thing with those eyelashes with two inch eyelashes during the day. It's just oh yes, oh. yes. It, it's just it's not appropriate for the occasion. So it's like if you if you're doing something particular where you need this, it's great. Uh, I mean, whatever is working for you, that's great. But on a daily basis, it's kind of like a lot on your face, and it's a lot for your skin. You know, your skin takes a toll when you stick this stuff on it, like, every single day. Well, because I think, it's not designed, really, for that, you know? No, but I think also with a – we're really running late here, but I just find this so fascinating. I think also <laughs> when you're looking at, at beauty bloggers, I think one of the reasons why they have so much money – money, why they have so many fans and wear so much makeup is – Clothing for a lot of people is complicated. It, it represents so many different things. They think they have to spend more, and they can find using, you know, drugstore cosmetics. And there's nothing. I wear expensive makeup. I wear drugstore makeup. I wear a lot of French makeup. I wear mostly makeup artist brands. I don't wear really big commercial makeup brands. I find them too heavy for me. So, but I mean, I go mm-hmm. across the board. I'll, I can have like a hundred dollars something and I could be having a $7 something. I'm a, you know, I just, I have no favorites that way. But what I think happens with a lot of the beauty bloggers is that the reason that they wear so much makeup, that they have these how-to tutorials, beauty tutorials on YouTube, where they're wearing so much makeup is because it's, well, first of all, the makeup company give it to them when they have a huge following but it's accessible and it's accessible for other people and I think you can paint yourself up to create the person as we said earlier who you want to be so they're living this fantasy through the amount of makeup that they're that they're wearing and it becomes almost like a whole psychological thing but what they don't realize is it's so heavy and it's so much and your makeup shouldn't speak louder than you. You know, someone shouldn't, when someone shouldn't come up to you and say, I love your eyeshadow, blush, lipstick, you know, brow pencil <laughs> and eyelashes. You know, it should be, you look beautiful. You know, maybe I'll, that's a great lipstick. Yes. It's matte. What is that? But, you know, you should look beautiful, not this, you know, listing 75 products. Yeah, I, I think they kind of the girls overdo it, and and unfortunately they see these people overdoing it because I mean they are trying to sell that makeup, so of right. course they're going to use as much of it as possible so that you use as much of it as possible. Exactly, but, and they got paid to and but, they got yeah, paid to put it yeah, on. They got paid. Yeah, exactly. They got they got paid, and then all the other girls they go out and buy it and think that this is the norm, or if they wear this that they will be in that group of successful. Uh, people 
because they consider these girls successful. So that's why they do it. They're they're trying to be in that successful young demographic kind of thing, and they think that this is the way to achieve it, uh, which is really not the case. It has it, it's not the makeup necessarily that's going to do that. But no, it's, um, it's the they, yeah, they think that. Yeah, they they think that. And and like you said, fashion is more complicated. Um, because finding your own style in fashion is more complicated. Uh, so a lot of them tend to go through uh, trends. So they just go to Forever 21 or, or mm-hmm. H&M or whatever and, and wear whatever they tell them is on trend. Right. And that's what everybody wears. Because it's so funny. You go to a high school and you look around at all the students and nobody wants to wear a uniform, but if you look at them, it looks like they are wearing a uniform because they're all wearing exactly the same clothes. Well, I'll tell you all something, that, yeah, you know? something really interesting. So my son's high school was a uniform school, and it, he was the first graduating class. But they said, okay, we're, we're in New York, and we're going to do a uniform difference. So they had to wear either black, white, or gray. They couldn't wear jeans. They couldn't only wear black, white, or gray shirts. They could only wear T-shirts that were, I believe, white or gray. They couldn't wear black. So it was, but it was, it was just really the color palette. But here's the thing that was so okay. fascinating. Because it was just this classic, basic, neutral color palette, those kids stood out more and had more of a personal, individual style than the kids who all went to Forever 21 and got the latest haul in the front of the door. Because in this limited constraint of black, white, and gray, they can either wear skinny jeans, they could wear short skirts, they could wear long skirts, they could wear big flare leg pants, they could wear a white shirt that was buttoned down, they could wear a t-shirt that was layered with a gray sweater, they could wear the white shirt under a short sleeve gray tee. So they had so many different ways of doing it. And the boys, too, were able to, some of them particularly, you know, were a little more stylish than others. They could wear like a black suit jacket with a gray t-shirt and black jeans, you know, or they could wear gray shorts and a black shirt. And they managed to get their own style where some of them looked a little more rocker. Some of them looked a little more, I don't know what you want to call them, uptown tool. Some of them looked a little more (laughs) funky, you know, whatever way it was. But it was so fascinating that when they had the restraints of just classic colors, and of course the girls couldn't wear like, you know, mini skirts where you could see their underwear or tiny little stringy bra tops. But other than that, they they could wear anything they want. They have so much more individual personality in there. It was amazing. It was just amazing. Well, because you took away the pattern, mm-hmm. uh, all of a sudden it became about it became about shape. Exactly. You have shape. And and that's really a lot more interesting than the pattern because the shapes are really what stood out there. The shapes of the silhouettes and that that's really uh, that's fascinating and it's really interesting that people do that. Nowadays, see people get caught up in color and pattern and they mm-hmm. forget about the shape. And, and it's really all about the shape. That's what actually stands out and that that's what complements your body style is the shape, not necessarily uh, all the other adornments of, and, of, and of plus, the garment. That's what I teach the ladies and I have a, a program called the Say She Crash Course and that's what I teach the ladies in there too is that to really stick to a neutral palette because all those patterns, all those colors, they become dated and they take away from you. You can use that as accents if you know how to do it. But other than that, classic colors, just they're always so forever chic and they they just make you stand out more when they're in the right shape that flatters you. Yes, 
Yeah, stick with with things that are not going to go out of style, like, you know, the necklines that are basic oh, yeah. necklines that are going to stay the same. Because if not, things get, you know, if you if you look at a shirt from the 70s with those really pointed, um, you know, collars, you know that it's from the 70s. So you you have to stay with things that are more um, universal that are not going to be dated in a few years, uh, especially for more of a corporate or an identity that you want to keep. You know, is uh, keep it neutral and keep it uh, classic. I think uh, again, you know, Europeans know how to do this very well. That's why they uh, they're so um, adept at finding the right clothes that actually fit them correctly, and they keep those clothes for a very long time. Um, yeah, and that's, here we we go through clothes a lot. Over there, they don't go through clothes. In, in South America, you know where I'm from uh, in Buenos Aires, uh, you don't buy clothes that often. You, you you didn't buy clothes that often, you know, um, that you could throw them away and you know buy something else. So the clothes tended to be more classic because you kept them around for years, um, which is it's a different type of uh, idea, I guess, on 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 dressing than. Uh, the kind of the disposable fashion that we have here now. And also there's something very elegant and rich and successful looking about classic clothes. I think when you see someone in a well-cut classic piece, they just look more affluent than someone who's just, you know, trying to still wear her neon skirt and bold striped top and statement necklace from J. Crew that she got at Forever 21. We're saying Forever 21 a lot today, aren't we? <laughs> yes, yes, yes. You know, and, and believe well, me, they are actually, a major player. You know, they are a major, you know, they and, you are know, a major player. Yeah. And they are also, ladies, in their defense, because there's one near me, they actually, you can get some cute, cheap jewelry in there. I mix Saint Laurent jewelry with Forever 21 sometimes. And they also make these really nice t-shirts, cotton t-shirts, you know. But it's yeah, that I whole, mean, yeah. Oh, it's that trendy yeah, end, yeah. Yeah, so, there are pieces in there that you can use. It's just how you put it together. Exactly. You know, if you, you know, that's really what it is. It's how you style it and what kind of pieces you pick. I mean, they do have some pieces in there that are very classic-looking pieces that you could wear, uh, you know, and put them together in a way where it looks more classic. Uh, you just have to steer away, obviously, from the very, very trendy pieces. That and the very in the girly front of the store. Yes, yes. And that's you know but that's they do a, have some stuff that's good you know that's another thing is jackets also, are particularly nice too are they I haven't oh, tried any yeah. I should try one <laughs> yeah um, um also I think another thing is we probably should end on this because we're almost spending an hour this is so but I love this stuff this is so great <laughs> is another thing conversely is a lot of times women are like what should I do for my age especially with makeup and they end up looking so matronly because I. I think, and, and you can, you know, help us out on this and we could leave with this. When you reach a certain age, what should you do for makeup? I mean, I say you should just highlight your face and, and same thing with your clothes. Just keep things, keep it kept simple, keep it classic, keep it modern and not get stuck in things. But what do you say when someone starts that question? Like, what do I do for my age? Well, as you get older, you know, and you have, uh, if you have a lot of wrinkling around the face, you want to avoid powders. You want to avoid anything that is going to leave a residue and kind of get caught between those wrinkles because it's going to accentuate them. So you want to move into a foundation, a light foundation that's creamy, you know, that has a moisturizing uh, ingredient in it so that it will moisturize your skin, but it also will provide a little bit of coverage. So you have a nice, 
even tone. Because if you have dark spots, usually as we get older, we have darker spots around the face. So you want to cover them a little bit with something. So a nice either tinted moisturizer or uh, foundation that has medium coverage that is moisturizing would be a good choice as you get older. Then uh, stick with cream blush instead of powders. Avoid powders as much as you can because powders tend to um, kind of like get, get caught into little tiny wrinkles and, and they crease. And when they crease, they make the wrinkle look even worse than they did before. So you want to avoid that because they create shadows that you don't want. So stick with creamy things. Uh, creamy shadow sticks, uh, creamy um, uh, blush that you could just uh, put on the cheeks and then spread it, you know, so that it's a little bit of color. You always want a little bit of color because your skin kind of gets very sallow and very um, flat as you get older. You lose coloring on it. So you want a little bit of color on the cheeks. Nothing major, but a little bit of a, a, a pink or a peachy color will definitely lift up the face. Uh, if you're going to do shadow, stick with like a, a, like a stick, um, uh, something in a, in, a, in a brown color, in a light brown, taupe color, something that will kind of highlight the eye a little bit or give you a little bit of depth around the eyelash, but, but nothing too dark. Uh, and you're just going to put it there with your finger and just blend it in. That's all you need to do, really. Yeah. Um, if, yeah, if you want to do a little bit of pencil on your brows, if, you, if your brows are kind of out of control and you want to put a little bit of pencil <laughs> in there, um, you, you can do that. And then a nice lipstick, you know, a nice lipstick that's not uh, too moist, kind of semi-matte. I so think, yeah, the, the yeah not, part. You don't want anything gloss, too glossy or too goopy because it'll just go right into the lines all around the mouth and it will just... That's just a terrible look. It looks terrible when that happens. So you want to stick with a, a, a lipstick that's a little harder, that's not going to bleed. You want to avoid that. With one that doesn't bleed and then, and then um, a color that, you know, kind of highlights. So if you're wearing, you know, a red top, you know, wear a little bit of red. If you're wearing a, a something uh, more summery, like, you know, yellows or greens, you know, maybe you want a peachy color on your lips. So don't be afraid to put a little bit of color somewhere on your face because you need a little bit of a lift. Uh, and the lipstick is the easiest way to do that, especially if you're keeping everything else kind of minimal, you know, uh, uh, because at a certain age, mascara is too hard to wear because, you know, your lashes are really thin and it's, it, it's hard to apply it um, and it's uncomfortable for a lot of people as they get older. So since you're not really wearing anything else, you got to keep it within like a little pencil, some cream blush, uh, and a bit of lipstick. And, and that should, should make you look, you know, very nice. Uh, if your hair is done nicely, it should be enough. You really don't need more than that. And nicely doesn't mean overdone or a whole, or no. You know, no, not a lot. No, very light touch on all the makeup uh, as you get older. Very light touch. So uh, and, and stick with the creaminess uh, yeah, because so that will always enhance. And you don't need those yeah. double hot rollers every day. <laughs> and you don't need to have the hair extensions down to the middle of your waist either. So No, 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 no. <laughs> Actually, if anything, that makes you look older uh, yeah. when you do that. Because it's not appropriate for the age, so it kind of looks out of place, you know. It's kind of like a Picasso painting where the nose is kind of on the side and the eye is <laughs> on the other side. And, and you're kind of like... <laughs> And you kind of go, something's off with this. I don't, 
see, something's not quite right. Uh, and, and and people can pick it up right away if it's kind of not appropriate. I, um, you know, older women, I think, look nicer with uh, mid-length mid, uh, hair or shorter uh-huh. hair. So, uh, because number one, it's easier to take care of it when it's shorter. Um, and, and also I think it's, it's, um, it's more appropriate to the age so that it looks like an adult instead of a kid, you know? Uh, uh, so I associate, you know, everybody associates, I think, uh, you know, shoulder length or, or, or shorter, uh, with somebody that's a bit older than younger. You know, and older uh, being sophisticated, yeah. yeah, older being sophisticated, not, you know, that you've yeah. earned your right in this world. You're not a babe in the woods. So yeah, it's, yeah, a yeah. woman, a woman. A woman, not, not a, a girl. Child, but a woman, yes, exactly, a woman. I, I think a woman uh, is, is, I think, uh, more alluring, at least in my opinion, when when her hair is actually... A, um, you know, a nice length, not. I, yeah, I, I think you also I, you, yeah. you garner more respect that way too, because you don't look like you're trying to turn back time. You're going to leave turning back time to Cher. Cher is amazing, by the way. She's probably you know the the one person. Keep her hair long. Show that midriff, Cher. You keep whatever you're doing. You look amazing. Oh well, <laughs> yeah, yeah. That 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 one is you know when when you come to performers and things like that, you yeah. know, all of that goes out the window because obviously they're trying to. Uh, hold on to their image for as long as they possibly can because and sometimes uh, it works you know, and sometimes it doesn't you know yeah but the problem is they have such a hard time uh, actors I really feel bad because um, because you remember them in your mind as you saw them in the exactly. movie exactly and for you they never they never change for you you know they always look the same in your mind but then they actually don't because they get old. And then when you see them, you go, what happened to that person? <laughs> you know, they're not, they're not, you know, Sharon Stone doesn't look like she did in Basic Instinct. Uh, what, what happened? She, she doesn't look like that, you know, and, and you're disappointed by this. I know, but she's still, and they know she's this. still beautiful. She, yeah, I know, but and also the, and the thing too is about those kind of women is is most of the time when you do see them, you're seeing them on stage performing, so you're seeing them at a great distance, and you're seeing them well lit. And there's, you know, the, one of the best makeup tools is, you know, lighting. The the right light can make you look gorgeous. The wrong light can make you look like hell. So that's something else to also yes. keep in mind. It's just, you know, but in real life, God, I don't know. I'm kind of tangent today with these women with the hair extensions for the middle of their waist. It's just, uh, you know, I guess because I was just looking at my Facebook feed and it's all these people and there's nothing wrong with some hair extensions to sort of zhuzh it up a bit. But, you know, Really, girl, come on. That's not real. It looks ridiculous. Like when no one can do a uh, tight shot of you because your, you know, your, your hair goes down to your almost your hip, waist, your hip. Oh. My pet peeve of the day. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I don't. Th- I don't think that works for most people unless you are Cher or you are um, Britney Spears or yeah. you know uh, people that that actually use that in, in their yeah. career and it's part of their it's part of their persona you know, to, to do that. And it works for them because it is part of the persona. But for, for you know, just uh, regular people, it doesn't work as well because it, it really isn't part of, of your character that somebody else. And it, it works for them for a specific reason, and it doesn't necessarily work for everybody else. So 
I think that we have had one of the most fascinating conversations here. And I think everyone out there, as you can see, this is just the tip of the iceberg. I highly recommend that instead of buying 15 more cheap lipsticks, go buy Classic Beauty, the History of Makeup. <laughs> and, and take some yeah. time. And, and, and it, not only will you look at makeup trends through history, as I said at the start of the show, we'll also you'll you'll look at pictures and it'll be like it's seeing an old friend and remembering where you were in your life when you wore that makeup or you remember that ad or I mean there's even things in here that I remember my mom having and and my grandmother who never threw out makeup I think I I, I probably inherited that gene you know when you're the makeup hoarding gene and you. I remember going, she used to keep her makeup in an old um, sewing machine. And I looked at it, and even though it was all dried up, she just kind of would keep things she liked in there. And I'm looking at things in here, and it reminded me of her. Little powder compacts and old-fashioned metal eyelash curlers. So uh, it's just, it brings back old memories and old friends. and, And besides, it's just fascinating on history and how women are perceived and how women want to be perceived through time. And you'll also learn some fantastic tips and tricks in here on, on how to wear your makeup. And, and you'll also maybe more important see, say, Oh my God, I'm still doing that. Maybe it's time I take it down a notch and look a little more natural and look a little more relevant and chic yes. that way. <laughs> So anyway, yes, so yes. the book is called Classic Beauty, The History of Makeup by Gabriela Hernandez. It's on Shipper Publishing. And and tell us also, Gabriela, how else people can connect with you. Uh, well, they can uh, email us or come to our store. We have a store in Burbank uh, in California, uh, and uh, it's open seven days a week, and uh, we're in a really nice uh, walking area where you have all kinds of little shops and restaurants, so it's a nice day out. Uh, so if you are in California and would like to come to see us in Burbank, uh, come on by the store. Uh, or online at uh, bestsemicosmetics.com, you can, uh, or or on uh, Instagram, also at bestsemicosmetics. Uh, drop us a line. Uh, we're always happy to hear from everybody on your ideas of, of beauty and what products that you would like to see uh, come back from uh, from the great beyond that are <laughs> not made anymore. Uh, you know, and that uh, that you used to love, and we love to hear those things. Um, because we're always looking for things that maybe we lost back in time, but were really good products, and um, and uh, people decided to discontinue them and not make them anymore. And uh, maybe we want to take a crack at uh, remaking some of those things. Uh, so just drop us a line. And uh, the book is available also on Amazon, so uh, it's uh, easy there to, uh, to uh, get. Uh, they they have um, they have a great price on Amazon, actually better than than I can get it from. <laughs> Uh, so it's actually a, a great deal on, on Amazon.com. Um, okay. And, and but, please, uh, yeah, definitely. Yeah, and it's um, Best to Make be Cosmetics. A, it's, let, me, let me spell it uh, for everyone. It's B-E-S-A-M-E. B-E-S-A-M-E. Bezume. Yes. Cosmetics uh, and, uh, dot com is the uh, the uh, website. And uh, Best to Make Cosmetics. Uh, at Bessame Cosmetics on Instagram and on Facebook as well. Uh, if you want to drop us a line, we're always uh, reading everybody's comments and we respond right away. Um, we will be at uh, at the Disney Expo this year as well because of the collection that we're doing. 
so we will be there um, uh, July, uh, middle of July, uh, 15th, I think, on. Uh, that weekend is uh, the D23 Expo in Anaheim, so we'll be there as well. So if you are coming to that, come and see us. Uh, and talk about Snow White and uh, 1937 Snow White. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's fun. So thank you so much for being here today. And um, I'm going to put everything under the show notes for this. So if you can get the link here, go to focusonstyle.com on the post. If you're there already, you'll see it below. And I just think this is fabulous. So thank you so much. And uh, talk to you soon. See you guys next time. Bye-bye. That's a wrap. Well, not so fast. We covered a lot of amazing things today. But what's your biggest takeaway from this episode? Hop on over to www.focusonstyle.com to leave a comment and keep the conversation going. While you're there, be sure to subscribe to become a Focus on Style Insider. Not only will you get instant access to the Star Power Flash Kit, curated to help you and your business get out there. But as an insider, you'll also receive exclusive bonuses, amazing content, and access to special events that Sharon only shares by email. Subscribe now at www.focusonstyle.com insiders. It's your time to be the best at being you. So don't forget to subscribe at www.focusonstyle.com insiders. See you on the next episode of the 7 Days to Amazing Podcast with Sharon Haver, where you learn how to make your life, business, and style even more amazing in the next week.